You're listening to The Big Show with Russick and Rose on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Hour number three is The Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960 The Fan, live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. The bottom of the hour, Dan Rusinowski, the radio voice of the San Jose Sharks, will join us. And uh, we haven't given away uh, the four passes to Wingfield Golf Club yet. Um, the Flames' playoff chances are lower this morning than blank. The Flames' playoff chances <laughs> are lower uh, this morning than blank. 960-960, name and location. But joining us on the line right now on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline is the voice of the Calgary Flames on Sports at 960. We say good morning to Derek Wills. Hey, pal, how are you? Good morning, guys. I'm doing okay. How are you? Um, we're we're good. Um, we we kind of talked about how you generally uh, try to put a positive spin on things. Um, can, do you have one positive thing about the Calgary Flames this morning and their playoff chances? Can you give us at least a morsel of positivity this morning? I'll give you one. Okay. I'm not <laughs> convinced it's a positive, but it should be a positive. Does that sound good enough? Sure. So they have nine games remaining. Seven of them are against teams currently outside of the playoff picture. So those are games that you should win. But the issue is the Flames actually have a better record against playoff teams than non-playoff teams. So I'm not convinced that's going to be a good thing, but it should be and could be a good thing as they head down the stretch. Only two games uh, left against playoff teams. So if they beat the teams that they should beat, then they'll get themselves a fighting chance. But 73 games in, that hasn't happened often enough, and that's one of the big reasons why they are where they are. Do you have any explanation why uh, the team struggles so much on home ice? We're trying to figure that out. Uh, There are a couple things that come to mind for me. Uh, Last night was another one of those nights where they didn't get off to a good start, and... That's something that I think is a a big question because Daryl Sutter, when asked about what goes into a good start or any of his coaches or players will tell you that it's all about preparation. And I have a hard time believing that the coaches aren't preparing the players to play. Uh, What the players are doing, I guess, is another question, but they're professionals and they seem like they're ready to play on the road. I don't understand why they wouldn't be ready to play at home. They do look tighter at home than they do on the road where I wouldn't say they're loose, but they're looser. I don't know if it's the pressure of, of playing at home and in front of the fans and in a city where there's been a lot of pressure on the team to perform to expectation this season. Uh, that would be one way I think you could explain it, but I don't know, fellas. It's just been one of those seasons where very little has gone their way, and I think they're feeling the weight of both the internal pressure and the external pressure that has been put on them, and I also think they're feeling the weight of just fighting an uphill battle all season long because nothing's been easy for this team. It's not like last season where everything was easy, or at least it seemed that way from the outside. Scoring goals was easy, getting saves was easy, winning games was easy. Not this year. Everything's been hard, and I think that uh, that's really worn them down. Now, on top of that, like you look at yesterday's game, and it kind of had a little bit of everything between the Walker-Dewar goal that was called off, the Andrew Manchapani goal that was called (laughs) off, and and honestly, probably both the right call, but was yesterday just uh, kind of a microcosm of the season as a whole with just not getting a break when they really could have used one? 
Yeah, 100%. Now, there's an old saying that you make your own breaks, sure. and I do believe in that. But I also believe that the Flames have had way more than their fair share of bad puck luck this season. And bad calls, whether that be from the officials or from the Situation Room in Toronto. There have been a lot of things that were gray, that didn't go their way, that were 50-50, that went the other way. Uh, and I finally got Kel McLean, one of the assistant coaches, to admit that last night. They have not had a lot of luck this season, but I'm sure some of our listeners right now are, are saying to themselves, or maybe even saying out loud, that they haven't earned a lot of luck this season. And I'd have a hard time arguing that. But, you know, they lead the league in goalposts and crossbars hit. That's an interesting one. And, you know, those don't even count as shots on goal for a team that is second in the NHL in shots on goal per game. <laughs> Imagine if you added those in. Imagine if half of those went yeah. in instead of staying out. That, that makes a major difference for a team that has played in one, more one-goal games and that has lost more one-goal games and that has lost more overtime and shootout games than any other team in the league. You know, one of those shots goes posted in instead of posted out. Maybe you don't go to overtime or the shootout. You win in regulation time or you get a point instead of none. I mean, there have been a lot of those instances this season. And, you know, Andrew Mangiapane getting that goal overturned, for me, that was more of a gray area. There are some cut and dry calls when it comes to kicking the puck in. That wasn't one of them for me. I was leaning that it was going to get overturned, but I wasn't 100% sure. And I go back to Game 5 against the Oilers in the second round of last season's Stanley Cup playoffs. Are you telling me that was a distinct kicking motion that Blake Coleman made on a goal that could have won that game, potentially, or extended the series? I mean, that was a tough way for the Flames season to come to an end, and it feels like they've had bad luck ever since. Mm. You know, I, I don't disagree with the call that was made, but then how about the one on Walker Dewar? I've been calling pro hockey games for 22 years. I've seen a lot. I've never seen that. I mean, none of us in the room, including yeah. Kale McLean, Peter Labardius, and Pat Steinberg had ever seen a play like that. And just trying to call it, I was, I was trying to process what was happening as it was happening. But when you've never seen something like that happen, you're like what in the world is going on? The only thing that made sense to me at the time, and I still think this is how you explain it, is the goaltender thought there was a penalty call coming up, but neither referee had the right arm raised. So Logan Thompson goes to the bench and then gets told immediately to go back to his net. And Walker Dewar is coming down the ice and he puts it into the empty net. But yeah, the net was off the moorings and the Flames player, Milan Lucic, caused it to come off the moorings. So technically it was the correct call. But guys, how many times in the past have you seen the net come off like that? And it's not like it was way off. It was literally like one inch off one of the moorings. The goaltender... Once the play ex exits the zone, we'll just grab it and put it back on himself. I've never in my life seen a goaltender yeah. skate to the bench in that situation. <laughs> so, yeah. and, and, and the goaltender and the head coach had it out after that. Yeah. So it was a weird one. It's yeah. just been a weird year. It, Let's it be honest. It was a weird one to me. If, and, and again, these are big ifs. If Logan Thompson knew that Milan Lucic was responsible for knocking the net off the moorings, that's one of the most heady plays I've ever seen a hockey player make that. Yeah. Because then and he ballsy. knows the goal would not count for the Calgary Flames 
because the net it's off its moorings, which was caused by a Flames player. That's why he went to the bench for the Golden Knights to get an extra player onto the ice to try to score. If that, in George, fact, I... was going through his head, that is the most... I, I, I'd, be, I'd, be, I'd be floored if that was actually the case, that that went through his head, and if it did, that is just an amazing play. George, I know the Calgary native did go to Brock University for one year. Okay. But I'm not sure he's that smart. Okay. If he if he is, yeah. he should have been going to Harvard for a year. That's what I mean. Uh, I mean, yeah. It, I mean, that's if, knowing if the rules. He was able to figure to that out them. on the fly. Yeah. Yeah. That that's that's next level. Um, but it's also still probably not the right decision, in my opinion, because again, it's a gray area. What if the officials see it differently than you do? Yeah. Right. And I'm not sure he could have known that. Um, but he, even if he did know that and he was he was confident in that, it's a one goal game. If the officials don't see it the same way, it doesn't really matter what you think. So, yeah, it wasn't the right play, but he got bailed out because the net technically was knocked off by a Flames player. And again, it, it's the right call, but it, it's just one of those calls, one of those many calls that hasn't gone the Flames way this season. And there have been too many of those. There have been too many of a lot of things and, and calls that haven't gone their way are, are one. What did you think of Jonathan Huberto being on the bench in the last 20 seconds? I asked this question to Jason Buchla. I want to get your thoughts on it. I didn't like it. He's your best passer. And I know that it hasn't been a great season for him, but made a heck of a pass on the Nazem Kadri goal that made it a one-goal game again, didn't he? And yeah, I don't know how intentional that was. I think he just chucked it in the front of the net there, hoping. Well, with most guys, I would say it was probably unintentional, but he's made enough of those passes in his career intentionally that I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. And I understand that he has been high risk at times with those blind, behind-the-back passes into space, and that if he makes one of those with 20 seconds to go and you're net empty, that might be the end of the night. But he's also, when he's right, one of the best playmakers in the National Hockey League. And he's had a bad season by his standards, but you know when you look at the goals, assistant points, he's had uh, a way better than average season. So I'd like to see him out there. Give the guy a chance to make a play. You know, Daryl Sutter's talked all about the fact that your, your best players need to make big plays at important times. And that was an opportunity for one of the Flames' six best players offensively to make a play at an important time, trying to tie the game and save the season potentially. And a guy who was given the biggest contract in the history of the franchise last summer, one that will kick in next season, wasn't given an opportunity to make a big play at an important time. And I think that he should have been. Now, as we kind of continue to head towards the end here, um, what is going to happen with Jacob Pelty over the next nine games? What should happen with Jacob Pelty over the next nine games? Well, I think it's important for him to play. And I'd like to see him play for the Flames. But if he's going to continue to be a healthy scratch, then the other option you have is to send him down to the Wranglers. It's easy enough to recall him if you need him. But if you don't plan to play him, I think he does need to get into some games here. And if Flames miss the playoffs then he can go down and compete for a Calder Cup, which I think would be a great experience for him. I've had a lot of people, coaches and managers, and even players tell me in the past that uh, playing in the Calder Cup playoffs is as close as you can get to playing in the NHL because the level in the AHL goes up that much once you get to the postseason. And the Calgary Wranglers have a really good team. They got a chance to win a championship, and he can help. And 
Walker Dewar can help. And I thought he was outstanding last night, by the way. Mm -hmm. um, but I do think there's probably a little bit of wear and tear on Jacob Pelche. He's not a big guy, but he plays like a big guy. And players in the NHL are bigger, stronger, faster, more consistent. They're, they're just better than they are in the AHL. And he played in 22 straight games, was it, mm -hmm. to start his NHL career? And with the way he plays, I, I do think there was probably a little bit of mental and physical fatigue there. And, and Daryl Sutter's talked about having to manage his energy level. I'd like to see him back in. And, and I know there's been a bit of a conversation this week about, is it Nick Ritchie or Jacob Pelche? I don't think it necessarily has to be one or the other, mm -hmm. although I understand why people are having that chat. You know, Nick Ritchie's brought something to the team. And I know there have been times and even games where he's probably been more of a liability than anything else. But one of the reasons why the Flames haven't scored as many goals as they probably should have with their high shot volume is because they haven't done a good enough job getting to the middle of the ice in the offensive zone and getting to the front of their opponent's net. If there's one thing that Nick Ritchie can do, hmm. that's the thing. And he's got the skill to do something with the puck once he gets there. And we saw that when he scored 37 seconds into that game against the Ducks on Tuesday night. And he's got three goals in eight games. So, you know, he, he has produced, even though he's been a little inconsistent in game and from game to game. So I'd like to see him play. Uh, I'm, I'm sure you guys would. And I know for a fact the fans would. How about Matt Coronado? That becomes the biggest question, I think, oh. with Harvard playing uh, at noon today, in fact. Well, if the Flames keep losing, then I think it's an easier question to answer. Sure. If the reports that we've heard are correct, that he is willing to sign if they can guarantee him some games. If the Flames can get back into the race, and right now, I mean, they're they're barely hanging on by a thread, guys. Yeah. Last night didn't go their way uh, in Calgary or outside of Calgary because the Predators won and the Jets won. So now all of a sudden... Calgary's behind Nashville, and they've got games in hand, and they've played the same number of games as Winnipeg, but they're six points behind them. So the way I see it, for the Flames to get in, and you don't know what's going to happen in other games, the Predators have the hardest schedule in the league, and it's not even close. And the Jets have a harder schedule than the Flames, but it's not all that hard. The Flames will probably have to win all seven of their games against non-playoff teams, and then win one of the two games against the playoff team with that game being their game against the Jets. They've got to win that head-to-head -head, and they've got to win it in regulation time. And then they're still going to need some help. So th their chances to get in uh, are not good. And if they fall off quickly here, then I, I think it will help them convince Matt Coronado that he's going to get some games this year. But the way Daryl Sutter has handled young players, uh, I'm guessing, and... and that's a knock in one sense, mm -hmm. but in another, the guy's also won two Stanley Cups, and he's developed a lot of really good hockey players during his career. So it's not like he doesn't know what he's doing, but uh, let's be honest. Some coaches are more open to giving young players opportunities than others. Daryl makes them earn it, and everybody knows that, including Matt Coronado and his representatives. So he, he's, I think, their top prospect. I know some would argue that Dustin Wolf is, but... The Flames are a team that needs to add some goal scoring, and that's what Matt Coronado does. So I think it's imperative that they find a way to sign him. You can't lose a first-round pick and arguably your top prospect for nothing because he decides that he's not going to be given an opportunity 
to to play in the NHL for the team that drafted him. You, you can't let him walk away. Derek Wills is the voice of the Calgary Flames on Sportsnet 960, joining us here on the big show, Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960, the fan. Derek's on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Um, are we seeing the last nine games, potentially, of Daryl Sutter as the head coach of this team? Because I would be shocked if he's not back behind the bench next season. But it's been a tumultuous season here, and with all that stuff coming out of that dressing room, and I'm sure when the season's all said and done, we'll hear even more. Is there, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming it's a low chance, but is there a chance he's potentially coaching his last nine games here? I think there's a chance. Uh, Pat Steinberg said it really well on our Flames Talk postgame show on Thursday night. I'm not in that dressing room behind closed doors. I'm in there you know, on the morning of game days, but that's it. Uh, I'm not on the road. You tend to hear and see more on the road than you do at home because guys' guards are down uh, to a greater extent on the road than they are at home. But there's a lot of smoke there, right? Mm-hmm. And it's not about his relationship with one player. It's about his relationship with multiple players. Um, and, and there have been some things that we've all seen. Uh, his comments about Jonathan Huberto when he briefly left the game earlier this season. His comments following Jacob Pelche's NHL debut. Um, some of the comments that he's made about his top players throughout the course of the season. We've all seen that stuff and heard that stuff. That's out there. That's not us speculating. So what Pat Steinberg says last night, it, it really struck me as kind of the perfect way to say it. You can probably fix this, but there are some relationships that, based on what we've heard and seen, uh, need a little love. And if both sides of that relationship or those relationships uh, are willing to do that work, then I think it's it's a group that has underperformed this year, that hasn't had a lot of luck this year. And if you were to run them back next season, I think there's a, a really good chance that uh, this same team would be a lot better as far as the number of wins and losses and points than it has been this year. It's just been one of those years where it hasn't worked. doesn't mean that it won't work next year, but I, I do think that there are some relationships that uh, probably need repairing. Um, and if, if both parties are willing to do that work, then uh, I think it can work. If one party's not, then it doesn't really matter what the other party wants to do. Uh, it's probably not going to work. But, you know, Jonathan Huberto's contract extension hasn't even kicked in yet. And, and that's a guy who you need to be better next season than he's been this season. And part of the job of the head coach is to bring the best out of his players. And for whatever reason, and I'm not saying that it's one guy's fault or the other guy's fault, but that hasn't happened with Huberto and with others. Even Nazem Kadri, who was an all-star and I thought was the best player of the team early in the season, he hasn't been the same guy since coming back from the break. So you need these guys to be at the top of their game next season. How do you get there? And is there a common denominator? How do you guys see it? Do you see it the same way that Pat does? You know what? I just, the whole, maybe if they come back next season, I think that'd be very irresponsible by this organization if everybody was back in their current roles. If the roster is essentially the same and it's the same head coach, why do you think it's going to be different this season than it has gone this season? Just based on puck luck, I can't buy that. Because the team struggles on home ice they lose to teams they're not supposed to. I just, I, y- y- there has to be some sort of change in the offseason if you miss the playoffs. 
I think that's just a, a normal progression of organizations. Either you're going to, to try to, to be a playoff team or you're trying to go the other way to get into the draft lottery. And based mm-hmm. on the contracts and the deals this team has made in the last year here, they want to be a playoff team and ultimately contend for a Stanley Cup. I just I just can't get on board with saying, well, maybe next year it'll be better if we bring everybody yeah. back in their current roles. I just can't buy that because an 82-game sample size, to me, Derek, is a pretty damn big one. It is. And I know that uh, I tend to be glass-half-full guy and, and find the positives and things. And up until very recently, I still thought that Daryl Sutter was going to find a way to get this team turned around. But ultimately, it's up to the players to perform. So there's a lot of blame to go around when you look at this 2022-2023 Flames season. No one thought that with nine games to go, they were going to be six points out of a playoff spot and really seven points out of a playoff spot because I don't think they're going to win the tiebreaker with the Jets. So there are ways out, and I don't think anybody in their wildest dreams, maybe outside of some Oilers fans, (laughs) saw that coming or hoped that that would come. So yeah, something does have to change, whether it's how this current group works together or how this current group, and when I say that, I mean the coaching staff and the team is constructed. Something's got to change. You, you can't come back next season and say, okay, we're going to do things exactly the same way we did last season and expect to get a significantly different result. Would they get a different result? Probably, because again, I do think that they've had way more than their fair share of bad luck this season. Mm-hmm. But You know, turning that bad luck into good luck probably wouldn't make a big enough difference. So I do think that something's got to change. I don't necessarily think that there has to be huge changes to the coaching staff or huge changes to the roster, but how this group works together and how it's constructed to some degree probably does have to change. I'm I'm interested to see what happens in the offseason because the other thing here, and it was talked about a lot as we got near the trade deadline, was that there's flames that after last season, there's going to be a lot of pending UFAs. And I just wonder if they make some changes that are maybe less drastic than last year's, given how drastic last year's offseason was. And they come back, they try and do it with a similar-ish group. And if it doesn't work out early on, then you become one of the biggest power brokers at the NHL trade deadline. You can kind of change the trajectory of your team at that point, like, would that be something that would work for you? Or, or do you think that's maybe a, a little outlandish? Well, potentially. Um, the first thing you have to figure out is who your general manager is. Right? Yeah. The head coach has a contract. The GM does not. So once that gets decided, and I've been a big Bradshaw Loving fan since uh, he came to town and I came to town, which was in... The same season back in 2014, 2015. And I thought that he did an unbelievable job when he got painted into a corner last summer. And I know that to this point, it hasn't worked out with Jonathan Huberdeau, at least not to the extent that they thought it would or hoped that it would. Doesn't mean that it's not going to. Uh, I think the adjustment for him, both going from Florida to Calgary, (laughs) that's a big climate change, that's a big lifestyle change, and going from uh, a Panthers team that tries to win 6-5 to a Flames team that tries to win one nothing. It's been a bigger adjustment for him than for any of the other new players. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Mackenzie Weger's been great, especially since the break. I think he's been their best defenseman, so I'm not worried about him going into the first year of his contract extension next season. And there's been good and there's been bad with Nazem Kadri. 
And I do wonder if a guy who played a lot of hockey last season, winning a Stanley Cup for the Avalanche, is, is worn down late this season. And if he could be better in his second season with the Flames as well. Uh, as far as if things go sideways early next season, uh, it, it will be the job of the GM to figure out what are the odds of these guys re-signing with us when their contracts come to an end. And if you don't think they're good, you've had to learn some hard lessons in those situations in recent years. So you probably try to get something for those guys if you don't look at yourself as a serious Stanley Cup contender. But, and, th and this takes me back to last season. Johnny Gaudreau literally tells the team at the last minute, right before free agency is going to open on July 13th, he tells them on the evening of July 12th that he's going to free agency. That's not the direction the team thought it was going to go in. So once that happened, a lot of people said to me, why didn't they trade Johnny Gaudreau and get something for him? There was no way that was going to happen last season. The Flames led the Pacific Division and won it going away. They looked at themselves as serious Stanley Cup contenders and should have going into the playoffs. And I know it didn't work out in the second round against the Oilers, but you know, if they get better goaltending and play the style of hockey they did for 82 regular season games and seven postseason games in that first round series against the Stars, that could have gone differently as well. But there was no way the Flames could trade their best offensive player during the course of last season, not with the trajectory the team was heading in. You can't trade your best player and then think, oh yeah, we're still Stanley Cup contenders. They couldn't do it. But if, if last season had gone differently and this season had happened last season, I think it puts you in a position to, to handle the situation with Johnny Gaudreau and potentially others differently. If you don't have a good team and you're concerned that your most valuable asset's going to walk out the door and leave you with nothing, you're in a way better position to trade that asset during the course of a season if you're bad than if you're good. Last there, year, the Flames were really good, and they couldn't trade Johnny Gaudreau. That, yeah. that, that's the bottom line. Absolutely. Um, Derek Wills is the uh, radio play-by-play -play voice for the Calgary Flames. Uh, Derek, I, I guess, uh, enjoy the game tomorrow. Absolute must win against the Sharks. Hopefully, uh, Golf season's around the corner, well, eh? Yeah, well, hopefully next Friday when we have you on, uh, maybe there's a, more of a chance of a playoff spot, but it's looking uh, bleaker yeah. by the day. Um, I hope so. If there's one thing I'm really bad at, guys, yeah. it's giving up. Yeah, okay, I'm good. really bad at it. I so like I'm not going to give up until they're mathematically out. So that's win good, tomorrow good. and then go from there. It's a good that's, characteristic that's a good, to have. That's a good outlook on life. Yeah. Uh, thanks for this, Derek. Talk soon, pal. Okay, have a great weekend, guys. There he is on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline using the same secret recipe since 1975. Done and at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Takeout or delivery at 403-248-3344. Straight ahead, Dan Rosanowski, the radio voice of the San Jose Sharks. We're also giving that four passes away to the Wingfield. Wingfield Golf Club. Still, yep. um, still looking for a winner. The Flames playoff chances are lower than blank. 960-960 name and We're location. We're actually vetting them. Yes. Big show, Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960, the fan. Hey, it's Haley Salvian from The Athletic. For a look at the latest on your Calgary Flames and NHL news, go click and subscribe to the Hockey Central 960 podcast. While you're there, please rate and review the show. About 20 minutes to go in the week. It's the big show, Russick and Rose Sports at 960. The fan live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. We're, gonna, we're giving away that final four passes to Wingfield Golf Club in about 15 minutes or so. 
So keep those texts rolling in 960-960, name and location. The Flames' playoff chances are lower than blank. The Flames' playoff chances are lower than blank, 960-960 on the text line. But joining us on the line first, he is the Sharks' radio play-by-play voice on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. We say good morning to Dan Rosanowski. Dan, how are you? Thanks for this. I'm doing fantastic. Thank you. It's good to be here. Um, your read quickly. Uh, we always like to get the perspective uh, from other teams, broadcasters, other teams, analysts on uh, what's going on within the division. What's your read on the Calgary Flames and how surprising is it to you that they're not in a playoff spot this late in the season? Well, I, I thought that, that they would be in the mix within five teams. And Daryl Sutter talked about it at the very beginning of the season that he believed that five teams in the Pacific Division could make the playoffs. And, you know, that's probably still the case, but it's becoming a dwindling possibility after recent results over the last couple of days. I know that, uh, that what happened in the most recent game here was uh, was pretty disappointing to Calgary fans against Vegas. And Vegas did basically the same thing that they did in Edmonton against the Oilers. They, I mean, I'm pardon me, in Vancouver against the Canucks, they, uh, they grounded out and found a way to get a win. Uh, that's just the way that they play, and so that didn't surprise me quite as much. But you know, now that Logan Thompson is you know is feeling better too, that's that's a help to Vegas to win the division. But Calgary's not thinking about the division; they're thinking about the playoffs. And I'd say it's just been an interesting uh, adjustment period to all the changes that happened over the course of the year. They haven't really figured it out yet, and obviously they're running out of time. So uh, they can still get in. There's no doubt about that. But uh, it's it's becoming a, a more desperate possibility, which leads to the game against the Sharks coming up here. Now, how have the Sharks been playing of late? Of course, they make the big deal. The deadline move Timo Meyer out, bring in a little bit of a, a younger package, including Fabian Zetterlund and the defenseman Shakira Mukamadulin, who uh, has come over and now playing down in the AHL. How have the early returns been on the deal, and how's the club been playing of late as it's down to the dog days of the season? We're not going to get any returns on the deal for a couple of years because yeah. that's what this is all about. It's about building the franchise to get back to where they need to be. This is not a deal where you say, oh, they're doing this to make the playoffs this season. They're doing this to, to actually you know, fill up the cupboard with, with outstanding talent. I think they're getting one in Muka Madulin. He was you know, somebody the Sharks wanted, I, I think, had interest in drafting in the first round. The year that he was drafted, the problem was they didn't have to pick uh, when he was when he was taken, he you know they had a pick about eight ten picks after that. So, um, you know, you look at that, you look at potential of having two more first round picks besides Mukumadulin, mm-hmm. and uh, you know you also have that Ohochuk, who's not a bad young defenseman. He's a guy that plays a physical brand of hockey, adds to the cupboard. The Sharks really needed to add to their talent pool. There's no doubt about it, and they've managed to do that. Mike Greer, I think, did a very good job in getting value back. For somebody that's, uh, you know, technically a restricted free agent at the end of the year with a qualifying offer at $10 million. So you can understand the situation that they're in with the contracts that they currently have. And so um, I think it totally makes sense. Um, How they're playing, well, uh, if you look at the last game against Vancouver, you'd say not well. Uh, They're still turning the puck over. I can tell you this. This is a team that likes each other. They work hard. They give the best of what they have, but they just need more. And that's where it is. It's very, very frustrating. I, we, I've been here since, uh, since day one, since 1991. So I've seen just about every up and I have seen every up and every down in the history of the franchise. And I think that going into the season, 
there was a little bit more optimism as to how they'd be able to compete, but unfortunately it hasn't worked out quite as well. And most of it has been mental. It hasn't been physical, although you get into the issue of the talent pool just needing a little bit more, and that's what they're trying to do. So I, I think everything is going in the right direction. Everybody feels that. Eric Carlson's having a monster year. Logan Couture has been playing really well and doing a good job as a captain over the course of especially the last month or two. You look since March the 1st, he's the one player that's in the forward group that's a plus hockey player. But the disappointment, frankly, comes from, you know, you look at the game last night in Vancouver. It starts out with Tomas Hurdle, one of the top players on the team, and just signed to an eight-year contract and committed to for, for all that time, turning over the puck again and the puck's in the back of the net. And that's been happening quite a bit during the course of this year. Uh, the body language there has got to change a little bit. And Tomas is working on that, but boy, it's been frustrating. Eric Carlson right now is on pace for 100.2 points on the season. Uh, he's having a marvelous, outstanding offensive campaign. How much of this is in part due to the fact that Brent Burns was traded in the offseason, and now Eric Carlson is the guy who is skating well over 25 minutes a night? Well, I, I'd say that that's part of it, but I'd say a bigger part of it is the fact that he's healthy. Nobody's surprised that Burns is doing great in Carolina. Uh, and I, I think that over the course of the last year, when you get two guys that are competing for the same ice time, you're not necessarily going to you know, get the best results. And, you know, they put them on the power play together. It didn't really work out quite that, that the way that they wanted. So um, as it turned out, you know, I thought, I think this was a fait accompli at this point, given the age of Brent Burns and given the big deal they made for Carlson, who's six years younger, that this was probably going to happen. But, um, it's finally happening that that Eric Carlson feels well enough and is settled and he loves playing in San Jose, uh, likes living there and, and, and enjoys his teammates where he's just having an incredible year. And I don't think there's anybody else that, that's a leading candidate really for the Norris Trophy. And I know I'm hearing some, you know, some uh, things from Boston about Charlie McAvoy and, of course, in Winnipeg, Morrissey's having a great year. And there are several others. You know, Kale McCarr is, is an amazing player. He's going to win the zillion Norris trophies before he's done. But I think this, this year belongs to Eric Carlson because, A, he's been at the top of the league in even strength scoring all year among all players. McDavid just passed him in that department a few games ago. And so, you know, that's, that's an amazing a number offensively for a guy because usually when you get 100 points, you go back in history and you're a defenseman, you're scoring a lot on the power play to get to that number, but he's doing it even strength, which is incredible to me. And then uh, he's, he's been doing things defensively that, uh, that I think have been very impressive. He's, he's actually, um, you know, he's playing well when he doesn't have the puck. And, yeah, there are those turnovers that happen with every offensive defenseman that you see. But in today's uh, Norris Trophy candidate sort of story, I think he's got all of the, all of the tools. And you can say, okay, his team didn't make the playoffs, but um, I, I got to tell you, I don't know where the Sharks would be without him. Dan, was he actually close to being dealt at the deadline? I don't think it was all that close because he said that, that Mike Greer never even called him and asked him for permission. He's got a, a no-movement clause for this portion of his contract, and uh, he didn't get that call. So I don't know how close it was. I think that there was some maybe wishful thinking perhaps in Edmonton. I know there were a lot of rumblings coming out of there and a couple of other places. Main thing is Mike Greer is listening to everybody about everything, and that's uh, where you know where the franchise is. He's turning things around, and he's trying to do that without completely blowing it up because he does have good players on the roster. So I, I would suspect that 
Um, there was some talks, but I don't know if it ever really got serious beyond just some tire kicking. He's got four more years left on his deal. Given what the prospect pool looks like and, and the draft pick capital and all that type of thing, do you think that the Sharks will be in a spot where they'll be able to maybe fight for a playoff spot while he's still under contract and able to contribute as a member of the Sharks? I have a simple answer for that. That's the expectation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that would be a moving forward, I guess. Um, yeah, they. Ha- I mean, that's that's where they have to be. Yeah. This is the first time in history of the franchise that the team has missed the playoffs in four consecutive years. You think that you know they that would have happened more often over 32 years, but there was a 20 year period there with Doug Wilson coming in in 2003 uh, that really where the Sharks have been one of the better teams in the NHL, and that's due to Patrick Marlowe and Joe Thornton being on the team, Brent Burns, you know that group of core people. Logan Couture is still here. And, you know, unfortunately, Timo Meyer was, was part of the inheritance tax that, that they had to deal with when they tried to keep that group together and make another run at the Cup after being in the conference final in 2019. Unfortunately, it hadn't worked out, and part of that is because the draft picks from 2018 on haven't quite panned out quite as well as they'd like. And so this has been a, a big focus for the team to make sure that they're prepared and that they, they hit a couple of home runs in those, those first-round picks that they get. Uh, they have to make sure that Muka Madulin is ready to play. He's playing in the AHL, as you noted. And I think uh, that's all bright. That's a very bright thought about the future, and everybody's really excited about the way things have been going that way. Uh, Dan, is there any Connor Bedard fever in San Jose? Uh, do they realize how close potentially this could be being the 31st team in the NHL standings right now? Well, fever, I wouldn't describe it that way, but there certainly is. Is there a temperature? Are they a little warm? Sure. <laughs> uh, sure. Uh, amongst, amongst, the, amongst the fan base, they're, they're talking about them. You know, there's a, uh, I'm sure there's a faction within the fan base that calls, uh, calls themselves Tank for Bedard, and you've got all that stuff going on. But, uh, but realistically, um, when the team is out of the playoffs in the Bay Area, you have people talking about the Golden State Warriors. And, you know, that's just the way it works when you have every single team and you've had a lot of success with the 49ers winning a bunch of Super Bowls and with the Giants winning the World Series. There's a lot of competition out there for the entertainment dollar. So um, the Sharks have always been really, really popular. It's a great hockey city, San Jose is, but the Bay Area is is a very big area uh, with 6 million-plus people or whatever. So I, I, I think that... Uh, I think that there's buzz about it, but I don't think that that, that it's a it's a landslide. Dan Rusinowski is the Sharks radio play-by-play voice. Um, Dan, terrific stuff. Enjoy the game tomorrow afternoon. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a great one, and we're going to have a good one between these two clubs. There always seems to be something that goes on out there. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of high scoring too earlier in the season. Thanks for this. Yep, thank you. There's Dan on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline using the same secret recipe since 1975. Down in at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Takeout or delivery at 403-248-3344. Those Sharks teams in the mid-2000s, such a pain. Such a pain. And they got caught up in years of being on the precipice of being a... Stanley Cup champion, like always good. They every were year. close, always, man. Every year. It's they like, had no, everything. Keep batting, keep batting, keep batting. Eventually, this group with Marlowe and Thornton's going to break through and win a Stanley Cup. They got close, man. They never did. They, they never, never did. Never, it, never did. Man. They lost that cup final to the Penguins, and <sighs> that was it. The way she goes, but. But who knows? Someone Maybe they who... get Bedard, and then they're back near the top of the league again. Man, there were some seasons where the Flames 
usually the underdog in a lot of those series against the Sharks, but yeah, like, and, and after if, the 04 run, it always felt like the Sharks were one of those teams that always hung around. Yeah, you, there's there's a few uh, bullets you got to dodge if you're a Flames fan. The Sharks are one of them. You don't want Bedard going there. You don't want him to go to Anaheim. No. You don't want him to go to Vancouver, especially. Mm-mm. So, hey, yeah, go to, go to Columbus. Go to Montreal. Go to Philadelphia. That's fine. Just get him out of the conference. What a team. They had the 10 straight years where they were in the playoffs from 03 04 all the way to 13 14 and only lost in the first round once. Yeah. The last time. Um, we got about six, seven minutes to go in the week uh, before we uh, rejoin you on Monday. Uh, we're giving away our final uh, four passes to the Wingfield Golf Club. But we're asking you uh, the Flames playoff chances are lower than blank. The Flames playoff chances are lower than blank. Um, Texty McTexterson uh, is our Sportsnet 960, the fan texting robot. Um, I'm sure Alex has done a, a great job, I hope, of vetting these text messages Hopefully here. Hopefully we only have like a couple curses. Yeah, do, do, do we got some good ones here? Did you pick some good ones? Because there's so many to pick from. Yeah, I grabbed seven more that I think were mm, Wow. Yeah. All right. Which one was the clubhouse leader from earlier? It had to be the shower, right? No. <laughs> no. Nor the little again. John one. Okay. Let's play him here. But they Alex. were fine. Let's go. Yeah. Let's go. Keith in Rocky Ridge. Flames' chances of making the playoffs are lower than the chances of poor old Patty Steinberg receiving a single positive call for the rest of the year on the Flames' talk post-game show. Okay. I that like man it. will need hugs and a stiff drink. Okay. That I like Keith being... Um, being worried about our man, Pat Steinberg. Listen, um, he's a hero for doing what he does with that program. But, uh, yeah, the stiff drink and a yep. big hug. going to be tough. Like, Listen, Pat needs that at the end of every season just because he works so damn hard for the entire course of the season. Mm-hmm. But this year might be extra. Yeah. Um, keep him rolling. Jeff in Okotox. The Flames' playoff chances are lower than George's opinion of the CFL rule book. Listen, I... Again, the CFL is just... It can't get out of its own way sometimes. And it's easy to take shots at the CFL, but it's mm-hmm. just... It's frustrating. Yeah. It's really it, frustrating. It very much is. All right, let's get more. Craig in Three Hills. Lower than the available counter space in Matt Rose's kitchen for an air fryer. Wow, another very deep cut. <laughs> when was the last time we talked about my counter space and air fryers? And it's been a while. People a really listen to everything we say, which is really weird because we're both idiots. Craig and Three Hills, the home of John Bender. Oh, wow, really? Okay. Well, not the home, but the hometown. Okay, you can see John Bender from space. All right, continue. He actually was the third hill. Oh, okay. Continue. <laughs> Archie from Lethbridge. Yeah. The only thing lower than the chances of the Flames making it into the playoffs is the Leafs making it past the first round. Okay. (laughs) Zing. I'm just going to write zing for that one. Alex, Alex, you're sure these are the best ones? (laughs) Look, like now I'm, now I'm, I I need to more clearly define the line because now I'm like, I'm scared. Okay. I'm scared (laughs) to pick something. Hey, you know what you can do? You can ask. When? When you're interviewing somebody? Uh, yeah, just quickly run and go, hey. Okay. All right. Keep going. Ryan from Calgary. 
the Calgary Flames' chances of making the playoffs is lower than the public trust levels when Elliot Friedman grew his gross mustache. <laughs> okay. Public trust levels. Yeah. I like off-season Elliot with his <laughs> oh, grizzly yeah. beard. Yeah, where you're like, what? He can stop a bullet with that thing. What, were you in a cave? Yeah. Did you do an Aaron Rodgers darkness retreat for three months? He did spots for Geico, which is a very dated pop culture reference. <laughs> Keep going. When they had the 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 caveman, the caveman? Yeah. nice that is that, that before the gecko that is a dated reference. Yeah, you're welcome. Keep Thank going. You. Thanks, Jeff in Calgary. The Flames' chances of making the playoffs are lower than the chances of me tossing somebody's cell phone in the microwave if they <laughs> piss me off again today. Okay, I like <laughs> I like angry Jeff. I do like angry Jeff and his chances of melting a cell phone in a microwave. Did he win? Like, you? why is that Jeff's trump card? Did he win yesterday? No, he didn't. Do you, some people we just... Told him, we told him to get some anger management classes yesterday. This, some people just deal with things differently, and his is to just like, throw I don't know. people's <laughs> expensive devices yeah. in the microwave and just... Like, wouldn't that destroy your microwave as well? Yeah, I don't know if we should really reward Jeff for his hostilities. Like, I don't know. All right. What do you got out? You got a good one coming up here? <laughs> Two more. You imagine uh, Jeff no. shanks it out of bounds and he just takes your, your phone. phone and throws it in the he lake. Take, <laughs> yeah, he takes your driver and just, just puts it in a microwave yeah. after the round. <laughs> All right. We got, are they good or no? I think so. Well, okay. Eric from Red Deer. The Flames playoff chances are lower than Winston Churchill inventing the light bulb. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's from earlier. Didn't we already play that one? Nope. Nope. But we read it. We read that one to okay. each other off the air. Okay. Keep so going. So it was a good one. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Clint from Calgary. The Flames' playoff chances are lower than the range of emotions shown on Daryl Sutter's face. Well, the range of emotions is angry and mm. disappointed. Nobody's... Would that be the range of emotions? Yeah. Um... You got any more? No. There's a good one here though that just came in. Okay, play it. I don't I can't I read it. The Flames chances are lower than the chances of George considering esports are an actual sport. Jeremy oh from Crossfield. Here we go again. <laughs> here we go again. How was playing a video game a sport? Uh, I'm not going to get into it because we just No, it's in. just dumb. Like what are you running on a treadmill while you play like there's video games at the I don't Olympics. Know. It's, it's one of those things like, is, what? It, is darts a sport? Video games will be at the next Olympics. Okay. So but they wanted ballroom dancing and cribbage at the Olympics. Does that make it a sport? I mean, cribbage. Is, is the Olympics yeah. a sporting competition? Oh, let's not like get a, into like the a, semantics <laughs> of this. Okay. Do, do you have go. any more? You, which one did you like? I like the Three Hills one. Do you have the Three Hills one guy? Craig in Three Hills. Lower than the available counter space in Matt Rose's kitchen <laughs> for an like air fryer. It's about you. What? Is that pandering? Uh, I like Jeff's. I don't know. Let's just give it to Angry Jeff. I just, <laughs> I just want to check out for the week. Let's play the Angry Jeff one. Jeff in Calgary. Yeah. The Flames' chances of making the playoffs are lower than the chances of me tossing somebody's cell phone in the microwave yeah, if they right. piss me off again today. Okay, congratulations, Angry That'd Jeff. Be Jeff. Hopefully you don't get too mad at the golf course and snap somebody's iron over somebody. Hopefully you're not a safety threat 
on the golf course. Congratulations. You just won a four pass to Wingfield Golf Club. Four passes. Free. I love giving away things to terrible people. Let's go. Congra- well, probably how do you know he's terrible? terrible. He could be a, terrible could, have, could have a heart of gold. I'm okay, I'm probably being Hey, a he uses the, you know what he does with those melted cell phones? What he gives he them do? to orphans. Yeah. <laughs> you don't you don't know that. <laughs> you don't know that. Uh, Wingfield Golf Club. It's a 27-hole golf course where you can play nine if you want on the weekend or the full 27. Trying to hit the planes as they fly by. Either or on 3434 48th Avenue Northeast right beside the airport. Uh, airport. Airport. I got to go. Yeah, we got to uh, get out of here. got to shut things down. Bye! Wingfield Golf Club. Uh, thanks for the uh, the passes all week. We'll talk to you Monday, I think. Bye.